Welcome to America's Tap Rebbitzin. In the Meredith's class, may Hashem provide a refuah shalema for Tamara by Elka, and may he watch over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Isabella Bat Natalie, Ishai Ben Talia, Keshet Ben Natalia, and Kafir Ben Shiri. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Robertson's YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. Today, I am very happy to welcome Robertson Devorah Leah Reichman. Robertson Devorah Leah is the co-director of Chabad Manos, which serves all Jewish, Jewish people throughout the Amazon region in Brazil, and they serve tourists as well. Robertson Devorah Leah grew up in Belém, Brazil, and after, after graduating from Gani Talmud Torah in Sao Paulo, she continued her studies at the Base Hayamushka Seminary in Montreal, Canada, and majored in both early childhood and also elementary school education. During the summer months, Devorah Leah was the head counselor of Camp Gan Israel Day Camp in Costa Rica. She has taught in Hebrew and day schools throughout the New York area. Wow. <laughs> you have so much experience with children. This is wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself you. and what you do. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so you said a lot of it. <laughs> um, now I work a lot with my own kids here, Mark Hashem, and those kids in the community that I teach. And we do activities and camp. And that's why they work with with the kids. It's amazing because you have your Habat house is in the Amazon rainforest. Is that right? Of Brazil or where is it? Yes, it's in a city surrounded by the forest. So, so we live in a normal city. <laughs> okay. We are surrounded by by the forest, so we are very close by, and that's where people come when they want to see the forest. That's why we work with a lot of tourists, also. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, because probably a lot of people travel from all over the world to come to the Amazon rainforest, and they right. probably stop at your Habad house. Right. So that's the city they go into. Mainly in Brazil. And what is the name of the city? Called Manaus. Manaus. Okay. Okay. The state is called Amazon. Okay. Amazonas. It's the state. There's the region, like the whole North Brazil, like the region, but the state, our state, it's the state of Amazon. Wow. That is really, really cool. It's, it's a very, very unique Habad house that you have. I really like that. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a topic that is so, so beautiful. It's in, about instilling love for Judaism in our children. And you have so much experience working with children that you're the perfect person to speak with about this topic. You know, we all want our kids to love being Jewish and to be proud of their Jewish heritage. We want them to be connected to Judaism. So I want to ask, well, how can we do it? How can parents help instill the love for Judaism into their children. Like a really, really strong love of Judaism that the children will have, not just when they're younger, but that they'll carry through with them through adulthood. That's exactly what I say. <laughs> I talk to my husband and other people about it, like in educating our kids and everybody. It's not just for today. Like I don't want them just to do it today now and to, to be obedient and do what I say, but I want them to want to do it in the future also for themselves. I have to say, first of all, that a lot of what I have today comes from my parents, who are also shlochim in, in Belém, as we mentioned before. And uh, they actually just celebrated 40 years of their Chabad house. Wow, and that's amazing. So really, like, the, the love for each person and the care, you know, and doing for each person, that's what really makes an impact. And, and that's what makes the person want to do something and want to have that love for Judaism. 
my father always says, you know, that's something that I have with me, <laughs> that it's not what, what they learn in the school that's important. It's the feeling that they get for what they learn, for what they're living. So it's not just about they learn the chumash, they learn the lacha, if they learn the thing. If they had a good feeling toward it, that's the main thing. Because what they learn, they're going to forget after. It's not the main thing. If they're taught with love, with care, you know, if the teacher was just like a strict teacher that taught all the subjects, but it wasn't nice to them, so they're not going to have a good feeling for that. So the most important thing, not just teaching them how to do it or what it is and what to do, but to teach to have a good feeling for the for the child and for the the subject in the Yiddish kind. So that's what I now I try to, especially with my kids and with the, the local kids also, that um, whenever I tell them to do something like in a good way, like not forcing, not um, like they'll be upset to doing it, or be sad, and like do it like without willing. Because then they're going to connect the bad feeling to the mitzvah, to Shabbos, or to kasher, or to whatever it is, or to davening. So I wanted to have a good feeling about it and say they're not doing for me. They're doing for their connection, especially with Hashem. I love that. I think it's beautiful because that, that really is what it is. That's really why we're doing the mitzvot, to connect to Hashem, for our own personal connection to Hashem. Not to be obedient or not just to do the right thing for the teacher, but to do the right thing in the eyes of Hashem and really for Hashem. So I want to see maybe you can give me some examples of like how to do it practically speaking. You know, there's so many mitzvot. There's, I mean, you have everything from being kind to others to keeping Shabbos to um, doing that without your dime in the morning to davening. I mean, there's so many, there's 613 mitzvot. Okay, we don't, all, not everybody keeps all 613. We have some for boys, some for girls, some during the time of um, when the base Ahamikdash is rebuilt. But we have a lot on a day-to-day -day, um, basis, a lot of mitzvot to keep. So can you give me some examples either of how your parents instilled the love for the mitzvot and love of Judaism in you or and or how you do that for your kids? So let's take a typical example of davening. <laughs> and especially the no days, no school days, the kid don't want to do and that. So I always say, like, don't don't let it it's a hard win you 100 percent No, do something. Do five minutes. Do like do for a time, do a little bit and so you know you do it. Like don't let it to how to win you over. Like you you win it, like even if it's a little bit, you know. And all I say is like like when it comes to other things, I say, I'm telling you what to do, what's right. Now you choose to do it. Like I don't force them, I don't say oh you have to do it because it's it, they have to share, you have to be like I don't say I say that's what's right. You ask me, I say no, I say do this or do that or this way or that way like but now you do it you want to listen to me you listen or even if they want a candy you know it's not necessarily me to say like it's not for now I said no you want to do it it's your problem <laughs> it's a problem between you and Hashem you know you you deal with Hashem and like you see you want to follow it or you don't want to follow I so mean, like I, I don't like to blame like I said I'm not gonna force you and hold you back I said you want to do the right thing you know what it is that's why I really and like most of the time they, them. Yeah. They come to choose the right option. <laughs> That's really, really good because you're really, you're giving them the power. You're empowering them to make their own decision. You're not, we're not forcing them. You're not literally forcing them to do it. You're telling them the information. You're showing them how to do it. You're explaining to them, you know, um, the, the benefit of doing it, why they should do it. But ultimately you're leaving the choice to them. And I think that's, that's where you're going right. That's where a lot of, I think a lot of people go wrong when they really, really force a person. But I think that's what you're doing right. You know, you're letting the person choose 
what they want to do. Do they want to do the right thing? Do they want to do the wrong thing? And they then they have the consequence with Hashem. Just like you said, you deal with Hashem. Whatever decision you make, whether you're doing it the right way or the wrong way, that, that's between you, you and Hashem. It's I, That's so empowering. Right. They know it's about themselves. It's not about me. A hundred percent. Right. Wow. I really like the perspective. Yeah. One kid, one I know, did the police on the other. <laughs> yes. You know, it happens a lot here. So I say, you know, you see, I always say, mind your own business. You know, see what you have to do right. And not like, it's very easy to say you no know, to the other one, what he's doing wrong, what he needs to do, and, and fix his issues. So you look at yourself and see what you need to do and let him do his thing. He knows what's right. He knows he's not supposed to do. He knows things. And it's easy. It's his issue if he does. Like, it's not yours. Like, leave him alone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because do kids do tend to tattle on each other, though. So th he didn't do this right. or he did this. And yeah. Right. Wow. You know, I mean, with, with all the laws and the requirements of Judaism and all the obligations that we have, our religion can sometimes be overwhelming. You know, this can turn some kids away from Judaism. Like, there's too much to do. They don't want to do it. They don't feel like it. They ask why they have to do it. Basically, they don't feel motivated to participate in religious activities and in Jewish life. And if a child or a teenager is feeling like this, what can we do or say to really encourage them to turn toward Judaism and not away from Judaism? You know, because they tend to get so overwhelmed because there's just so much. Right. So... A few things, I guess, um, make them understand as much as we can, you know, make them like talk to them and speak about what's important and what, especially like by us, you know, like there are the few kids who wear tzniyos, wear kippah and tzitzis all day, who don't eat everything at that time, you know, they're very different than everybody else. And, well, there aren't many kids, <laughs> or not just not a religious kid, but, um, so understanding why we do certain things, like what's the reason why Shabbos, like sometimes it's hard, you know, like, oh, I can't do this, oh, I can't go here, oh, why I don't have ice cream to go buy in the store, you know, like some, some things, and especially being in the Shlichos, like they ask, oh, why do we have to be here, you know, and so all those things, the things that we have to teach them, why it's important, and why why we do all those things. So like, again, not just following rules, but like trying to understand as much as we can why we do those things. So once we understand why we have to do, and again, understand the relationship with Hashem, that's what Hashem wants us to do. That's really, you know, helps them. And also, um, like I said, we have to feed the body and the soul. If we don't feel feed the soul, we end up feeling that something's missing. Now, even adults feel that, and we don't know what it is. Like, we think that, um, you know, if we have all the material things, all the games, all the toys, all the clothing, all the, you know, the, the gadgets, people want, the, you know, the electronic, and then they'll be happy, and then they'll be fulfilled. But really, that's not what brings them really, like, real peace and, like, you know, complete and calm. And so we have to feed both. So when we have, we do the, what our shaman needs, so then... That's really, so I guess most teens today, they are, go off the direction. And it's also, they're, they're really missing that, that point, like of, of knowing that that's what they need. You know, I went away from home when I was 12. I went to school in Sao Paulo. 
and Ghani, and now I'm sending my kids away from home. Uh, we're living in the same situation. Um, so when I first went, it was very hard for me. You know, the adjustment, the differences, the, the culture, like even within Brazil, but very different mindset. And so it was very hard, you know, and I was struggling a lot. And one of the things that helped me was, you know, I started to question, like, why those things? Why do I have to be here? Why do I need to do this? And why? And then I came to the re realization that what's really going to bring me happiness is when I do things right. Do things right means do what Hashem wants. Because really, what's life all about? It's not just I'm going to do this, to grow up, to have family, to start a new cycle. Like, what's beyond this? There's got to be something more. You know, and I was as young as 12. And you know, I, all these questions started coming to my mind. And then I realized, no, like there's a purpose for life. And now sometimes even adults don't, don't think about it or don't know about it or don't like realize in a clear way. And I was thinking like, there's a purpose to why we're here. And it's not just sleep and not just make a family and build a house and whatever and, and start all over. There is something special that today I am, I have a purpose to fill. And I thought, no, that really when I do what I, Hashem wants, that really what brings me happiness. It's not just, oh, if the girl is going to be my friend, if she's going to invite me, if the, you know, all those things that I was struggling with. That's not, my happiness is not going to depend on that. Of course, that's also important, the social part, and, you know, I had to outgrow and, you know, to, to be mature for that. But then I realized that when I do the right things, that's what brings me the real happiness. And, and that's for everybody in all ages and stages, because once you you know you're doing what's right, you know your purpose, and then you can stay in a path. You know, you're not you're not lost. Because if you don't have a purpose, you don't know why you're here, you don't know why you have to do all those things, why do them? Like once you understand and you know that's the purpose of the world, <laughs> of creation of the world in general, and then that's easier to to follow that that path and course we struggle it's a hard that's how she created us so that's the whole the whole point of the game but at least we we know where we're going you know why you know that's what we have to do i really like that because it's the truth like what you're saying is really just it's the essence of the truth it really is you hit the nail on the head you know when we have a purpose when we know what our purpose is and we're we're, we're connecting ourselves to our shell we're, we're just it's not so much on what's going on on the outside, it's what's going on on the inside with our souls. And that's where the fulfillment really, really comes in. And that's what makes us really, really happy. Um, you know, I want to it's ask- It's such a simple concept. Yes. It's very simple, but like people don't know, like I should create the world to do the mitzvahs and that's over here. And like, you know, I, I teach this to adults also. And like, that's, you know, as simple as it is. <laughs> Right. But you know, and but you, you you bring up a really good point because it is, it is really simple, but it's also, it gets complicated because we live in this world. Like we live in the physical world. We live in that world. Like you were saying, you know, does she like me? Did she invite me? Do they, you know, am I popular? Am I, you know, are they bullying me? You know, the, in, the, in the real world, you know, the world of making money, the right. world of how do I look that, you know, just the physical world and things get cloudy, you know, things get cloudy we get distracted by everything you know that's that's just how how it is so you know being on Schlichus in in brazil you know where you're like the religious family and most of pe the people around you are not you know how do you help your kids because i'm sure your kids look at other kids or not not maybe even adults in the street and say why does 
so-and-so get to wear that. I'm sure it gets hot where you live. Like I just, I've never been to Brazil. So I'm just imagining, I'm sure it gets hot where you live. And why can't I wear short sleeves or bikini or whatever it is that they wear? Like, why can't I be like them? You know, what do you tell them? Yeah, the truth is that being where I am, like the, the situation where I am, it helps the opposite. Like sometimes they, they do, maybe one or two, like sometimes it would have such questions, but because they know they're different, it actually does the opposite effect. Sometimes I say, Baruch Hashem, I live in Manaus and not in Kern Heights. You know, really? whenever I go to Kern Heights, <laughs> I say, I'm glad I'm not here. Because here, we know we're different and we know we are the example. We know we have to be the standard, you know? So even if they're not going to be like us, but you know, this is religious. That's how a religious Jew should be. So that help us, you know, keep ourselves um, to where we are. Sometimes it can be hard for some of the kids, but most of the time they, um, they, they take it as thing. The only thing one of the kids get, the younger ones, is sometimes they say, oh, why do we have to be here? Especially when we travel and come back. <laughs> and they say, oh, why can't we stay in Berlin where they had a school to go every day and have some kids to play? So, oh, why do we have to come back? So that, that part is hard for them. And then even the other kids say, ah, oh, because we're looking here and nobody else wants to be here and we're the only one who are here. And that, that's our mission in life. And so actually they, they get used to it again. Um, they always want to go away and travel, you know. Um, and we do do that. We do send them to camp. We send them to visit. Um, I said, I have two kids away for school now. And send the third one, probably thinking soon. So, but we do send them to have those experiences where they're not the only ones who are different. But again, uh, there's a big advantage of being in a place where you're the you're the only one, you're the standard, you're the... You're that's why I say, it's good to live here and go visit. <laughs> <laughs> go so you can go shopping, go so you can go eat some pizza, go so you can go, you know, have those pleasures, those things that we don't have here, but like stay here and just go for a little bit. <laughs> I think it's so amazing though. I mean, you're... Your kids are really strong, like strong within themselves. They know who they are. They know that they're the Jewish example for the area that they live in, and and they they don't try to blend in. It, it would probably be different from other people. I mean, I I live in New York, so I'm only really speaking about you know my environment here. But you know, here we try to blend in with each other. You know, it's different because we're you know there's there's so many of us, and which we're really just trying to blend in with each other. And then we have different levels. Everybody has different levels of observance. You know. Okay. And but that's when it gets harder. Exactly. Because, yeah. oh, he goes to why he does that, why he eats that, you know. And how do you, you know, say, oh, but we don't, we are different. So, like, it's even harder when you are all from, but, you know, which one covers the hair one way, which one dresses one way, which one eats one way. When you're the only one, that's what it is. It's so much easier in a way. I never, I just say I never thought about it like that. Wow. Wow. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Um. But, you know, your, your kids, really, they are really strong within themselves. And I just want to ask you, I know that, you you know, we've been talking about um, knowing who you are, knowing that you have a purpose and fulfilling your purpose in life. How did you help to instill that in your kids? Because I feel like that, knowing your purpose, helps to also instill that love of Judaism within your, within your child. Like, how did you help them figure out who they were and what their purpose was? 
good question. I guess just day-to-day -day living and, and talking, you know, I'm very open with the kids. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know, they ask questions and like, I don't hide things from them. Um, of course, appropriate to age, but you know, they, they see the world and they ask questions and I answer like, no, I don't hide. And so sometimes we have, you know, those the, like long conversations and I don't know, we just, in the day-to-day -day things, it just, I guess, comes out in conversation that, you know, that, that's our purpose, that's who we are, who we are, who we are. And, and that's what I'm creating. And sometimes we point when we see different people, like people that come here and, like, we see they're lost. Or sometimes even, like, you know, New Yorkers that, you know, went off to that and they're here. Or So, like, we use all these opportunities to, you know, to talk to them and to show them and to see how oh, I see like, you know, they have this, but they don't have that, you know, like yeah, a person that has, has everything, but it's missing the front card. It's still not happy. It's still... So I guess from what we see and like from just talking, like, and, you know, bring in the subject and like in a natural way, you know, we don't sit and give the lessons about life, <laughs> you know, just, uh, um, yeah, I guess just, in conversations that come up. I like that. So it's it's really open communication. That's what I'm hearing. It's open communication with your right. children and just being real and honest with them. And I really like that because not not all parents have that with their kids. But I see the way that you're explaining it, and I see how I see how that would be really really helpful. Just just when you when you speak to your kids, you're establishing a relationship with them. And when you're establishing a relationship with them, you they begin to trust you, and they begin to see how you are what you do, why you do the things that you do. And you, you yourself are setting an example for your kids. And that comes out through your actions. Yes. But also through the, your communication, also through talking. I see how that's very, very important. And it's good. So now they, they talk back. Like my son's in Yeshiva in the U.S. And, you know, he says, oh, this boy did this and those days and those days. Like he, even like things are not necessarily not the nicest things, but he tells us he's comfortable and saying to us, you know, and uh, and we try to guide again. I'm very like a, like a different thing, not necessarily in Yiddish guys, but I'm very natural minded. And uh, so my son, he always said that he wants a Bluetooth earpods. And I say, I know it's not so healthy or whatever, or not. And he said, oh, last night he told me, he said, oh, I have an issue. I said, what it is? He said, he won a raffle of a Bluetooth headset. Oh, wow. He won the <laughs> raffle. Okay. Like, so, uh, so, okay, so what do you want to do with it? You know? And he's like, oh, I want it, but I know it's not healthy. Like, uh, no, I thought, you know, maybe try once or twice. You see, okay, I know what it is. It's not, well, amazing. I can survive without it. You'll define what to do. You can sell, you can give it to someone. You can, I also, I never say don't, don't, don't. Like, but you can try and you'll see. No, that's, that you can live without it's not like amazing you know and hey it could be amazing it could be practical yes but you have to wait the pros and cons and see that your life and your health is more important and uh it's like he knows what's right you know but he's still telling me and <laughs> you know like just to and hopefully again like another thing he was to eat a lot of he doesn't eat so much junk but he likes twizzlers so he used to buy, and then he was in America, he used to buy, you know, a pack a week and eat, eat the whole time. And then he made a decision that he wasn't going to 
stop eating. They said for a week, two weeks. And last night he told me, oh, it's been a month and a half that <laughs> I haven't eaten two sweets. Wow. So I really want one. I said, okay, buy a pack and eat one and give to everybody else. So you don't eat the whole pack yourself. <laughs> you know, like, again, in conversation, make him choose to do it. And he wants to do it. Like, not, not saying all oh, my kids don't like junk. They do like and they want candy all the time. Not, not that I give to them, but but just, again, the, the education that is going to come for, from him, you know, that, that he's going to choose to do it when I'm not there watching him, you know, on his right. own. And that's the important part because, we're, you know, the reality is we're with the kids up until a certain point, And then as they get older, we're with them less and less. And eventually they move out of the house and we're with them even less, you know. So at that point, they really have to make the decisions on their own. Like we were like we were saying at the beginning, I really like your approach. I see that it's like your overall approach in general, like toward parenting, to educate, to give the information, to give the facts, to talk. And then the right. kid, at the end of the day, the kid has to make their own decisions about what they're going to do. Right. I, I say that. even when they're little and at home, like I can't control them. <laughs> I say, go take a shower. They don't go right away. They don't listen to me, you know, go to this. Like, I wish they did. I don't know. Maybe some kids do. My kids don't. You know, so <laughs> even now, I, I don't control them. So it really has to come from them. Like, you know, you need to take a shower. They need to brush your teeth. They need, you know, even the day-to-day -day life things, like, they have to. Right. It has to come from them. It has to come from them. Right. And, and I really like that because that, that really is the point Like you, you're, you're really, really giving like the, the real honest answer because we can't control anybody, whether they're a kid or a, a teenager or an adult, we can't control anybody. We can only control ourselves. And in terms of our kids, whether it's about food or, or um, electronics or Judaism, we give the information, we give it over in a way that's loving and not like really strict, like you were saying earlier. Like if we're really like, don't do this, don't do that. Sometimes we're even going to push the kids to want to do it more. The more we say no, the more they want yes. So I just, I like the way that um, you have your approach to be very, very relaxed and educating and talking and open. And then ultimately it's the kid's decision. You know, it's- that's what, and hopefully, hopefully they do make the right decision. But hopefully like, they, they got the message of what, <laughs> of what we taught them. Know what's right, what's wrong. You know, it'll be inside of them. Right, and over the years, and you know, it also really helps when the parent exemplifies it. You know, like when you feel, when you personally, as you know, as a woman, as a human being, when you personally feel your own personal connection to Hashem, and you live like that. For, you know, regardless of anybody else, when you live like that, you're setting an example to the kids. Maybe they don't want to do everything exactly the way that you do it, but they have that sentiment, that feeling that mom is doing this particular mitzvah because she's connecting to Hashem. And I see the way she's doing it. Maybe I don't do it exactly like she's doing it, but I see, I see what she's doing and I see how she's doing it and I see the feeling that she's doing it with, which is so, so important. That's what we impart to our children. And that's really, that's the essence of how we instill the love of Judaism in our children. Exactly. Like some people get, I, I'm a relaxed person in general. Not everybody who knows me knows that. Um, so in general, sometimes like some things can bring a lot of stress. Like some people could be very stressed about preparing for Shabbos, no, like okay. screaming, this, and then like that brings the whole stressful feeling towards Shabbos, and that's not what we want. We want Shabbos to be something that's nice, no, so we give a special, you know, Shabbos cereal and Erev Shabbos uh, cake, and uh, so they know oh, what's for Shabbos, you know, something, and 
No, so we don't come in with this like feeling of stress and feeling that I can't do anything on time. But it's like it's always like a day that we play together and they play and whatever. Just like many times Friday night we talk, whatever. Like so just bring the and I always say when Star Shabbos starts, I always sing Baruch Hashem Shabbos Kodesh. So I say that uh, Shweki took my my song and he made a whole Shabbos song. You know, Baruch Hashem Shabbos. Now we play this song at the Shabbos. So like. Instead of bringing the, the stress about it, like, why stress about it? Okay, it's work, and then everything's going to get done, you know? And uh, I heard a story about, uh, I think there was Shvei's mother, I don't know if you know from Karhain, that Elena, during the war, the first first world war, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly, but the, this was a lady, that she, she became a widow, she had a daughter and three sons. And the daughter... Elena passed away in the middle of the war and she was like running away and she made a song because she was able to bury the daughter. Wow. She's like, it was such a horrible thing, situation, but she was able to herself, she buried the daughter and she made like a little Negan and the, her daughter, her granddaughter was saying the story and her son sang the song and I was like, wow. And I heard this, it was during COVID and I had no no cleaning help or nothing. And I'm like, wow, if she could sing for... <laughs> You know, for bearing her daughter, you know, like I could sing to prepare for Shabbos, to clean everything myself when everything seems crazy. You know, I can do it. Everything's going to get done in the end. You know, so like take out the stress, do what you can, and do it with Simcha. Like don't bring the best feeling to, to the thing. Another cute thing happened like a few weeks ago. I wasn't feeling very well. I was like laying in bed and I'm like, oh, yes, and my five year old heard. And he said, I am Shem, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> and I told after my other kids, I'm like, ah, oh, you see, I was like this. And Moshe said, ah, oh, Yashem, Baruch Hashem. And really, we have to say Baruch Hashem for everything. And the Hashem is for a good thing, you know. Don't complain, say Baruch Hashem. So, like, I told him and I commented to the other kids. I guess, you see, that's one of ways of uh, teaching them this approach and this mindset of, um, no, Baruch Hashem, it's, it's a good thing, you know. So... <laughs> Like that, without complaining, that bring the stress, that thing, bring the the good things in part. So so they'll have this good feeling. Again, even if my kid is not gonna come to the shul and Chavez and up and the whole event, but he's gonna have a good feeling to come to shul. And if I force him and I scream at him to come, he's not gonna he might do it today, but he's gonna have a bad thing. The 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 previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, he wrote um a book on Chinuch. And uh, he wrote, he, the beginning, it says, teach the young people according to his way. So when he will be older, he's not going to turn off from the dead. So according to his way, the way of the child, you know, each child is different. You know, and we have to see what they want at that stage and that age, you know, how what's going to help him to to grow up with this feeling. I have one child that's more shy, you know, and he's embarrassed to come to school. He never goes into school. And uh, that's how it is. It's fine, you know. <laughs> Eventually he'll grow and he'll learn it. So I say, okay, sit here and I'm um, sit in the kitchen and I'm um, for five minutes or three minutes. Say brachas all this, say something, you know, like, again, not to force him into something that he's not gonna feel good and he's gonna be resentful about it. And uh, I don't know, it's really the, 
the biggest challenge of the generation is the chinuch. It really, the, really is. Yes. Mm -hmm. no, for everybody. Gonna, for, yes, for everybody. It's so true. So, and that's what I was going to ask you. Like, do you ever get upset when they're supposed to be doing something? Let's say they're supposed to say a bracha over over a piece of cake. Let's just say. And let's say that they don't, you know, do you ever get upset when they don't do a mitzvah that you know that they're supposed to be doing, you know, and they're just not doing it? Do you, do you ever get upset or how do you handle the situation? No, I usually don't get upset. I remind them, oh, they're zebra, zebra. And then that's it. And then I don't police them, zebra, zebra, zebra. You like, say it once, <laughs> or whether they say it or whether they don't say it, that's up to them. Yeah. Again, like, I'm not going to be zebra, zebra. I was once by a family and... The man of the family was uh, saying to a different kid, it wasn't even his child. And he said, say bracha, say bracha. I'm waiting to hear. Like, and he like, he had to go out, but he waited. I was like, whoa, like so much, you know, pressure. Like, so I didn't say anything, of course, but like for me, it was like, wow, that's a little too much. So yeah, say it, but don't police. Just like I tell my kids, don't police, you know, each other. I don't police them either, you know. That's what you're supposed to do again, you know, say bracha, okay, and then they say it. Oh, I'm here, bro. Again, always with the positive, not with the negative, because you don't want to give the negative feeling. You know, again, you don't want him just to say bracha today. You want him to know what to say bracha. You want him to to want to go to shul. You want him to have a good feeling about Shabbos. You want him to give about everything. It's really that, that, I mean, you say it so beautifully. You say it so beautifully. You know, I'm really going to try to, me personally, I'm really going to try to put a lot of that into practice because for, for me personally, it's it's very, very difficult because of course I want my kids to do the right thing. But I feel like I like your approach, like the non-pressure approach, you know, the no, the no pressure, the I'm going to give you the information. I'm going to, I'm going to remind you if you need a reminder. And then the rest is up to you, you know, because I, I do agree with you that you need to bring a good feeling into the house when it comes to doing brachot, you want people, you want your, your, your family, you want your children to love Shabbos. You want them to love getting up in the morning and say Moda'ani. You want when they have a problem, maybe they're studying for a test that's really hard. Maybe they're having a challenging situation in school. You want them to turn to Hashem. You want them to just, you know, talk to Hashem in their own words and just pray and turn to him for help naturally without you saying, well, did you talk to Hashem about it? And it's not that you can't say that. Of course, you can say, you know, you can always talk to Hashem, but you want them to eventually learn how to do it naturally. All these things that we're talking about, because like we said, eventually they're going to grow up and they need this. They need these skills. They need this connection to Hashem for the rest of their life. So, Right. Yes, I like that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I really enjoy hearing from personal examples like we've been talking about. You know, I my I personally feel like if I see somebody else doing something, it could be possible for me too, even if it seems really hard at first. So this gives me hope. And I feel like a lot of people feel like that too. You know, if they see somebody doing something that it inspires them to do it as well. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you if you have any any interesting stories in your community, you know, something that we can learn from. Do you have other Jews in, in your community or even torts that have come to you that you can maybe share a story or two of something, of a situation that happened either with the Jews in your community or Taurus, like something that we can learn from or, or be inspired from? About Chinuch? Either about Chinuch or, or about Jewish life in your region and anything in general. It doesn't have to be necessarily about Chinuch. There was one story came to mind now that you asked. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry, my, one of my kids in here. It's okay, no problem. <laughs> I had one a few years ago, and uh, now just to show like the essence of the person was the uh, um, ambassador from Yerushalayim. He was, of course, searching for himself. And and he came and was sukkahs and he didn't want to come to the shul and uh, like he waited in the sukkah. He came first for a Shabbos and then he came for sukkahs. And so he came and he said, he told my husband, my husband brought, my husband brought Hashem doesn't drink, but he brought a vodka. <laughs> and, and the boy said, when we get to here, I'm going to start singing. Like, like drink a little bit. And so it was just the two of them, like me, I had maybe small kids at home. And and then he started talking, whatever. He didn't want to open up much about what happened to him. You know, he was Yerushalmi and something happened, something, not good connection with his father. And um yeah, we probably had like different ideas, you know, about revolution and those things, and we spoke a little bit, and then, and then, you no, know, he got loose a little bit with the mashke, and then he started singing, singing, and you could see he had such, uh, like a, a feeling, and like he would sing and like close his eyes and like so like deep in emotion, and now all of a sudden they, you know, and I told him, see, this is your soul. This is really who you are. You know, you went through hard things, you know, in your life, whatever it was that happened, I don't know. But your essence, that's what it is. You see, that's in what you delight. You know, in what you delight, in this thinking, this thing that brings you memories from the house and from, you know, the good memories. And and that's, that's where you are. You know, you have to try to connect back to that. Because that, that's exactly your essence. But sometimes the chitonius, the outside, the whatever happens to a person, or the way they dress, whatever, you know, it seems that they're different, they're not, but really the essence, it's there. And we have to tap into that. And many times I, I think about this boy, and sometimes we even like write to him and say, yeah, how are we doing? Or whatever, he works in America. I don't know. But, you know, he revealed his essence. You know, that's, I think that's very important. That's, I have to try to, to touch them and to show that to people that that's what they are. It doesn't matter what, what they did, what they didn't. You know, and there was another girl that came here also from Malabarja family and she, was, she wasn't so lost. But uh, she came here, she spent Shabbos and I think she slept by us. And you no, know, we had some time to speak and it was very nice. And also like she wasn't sure, you know, like, ah, oh, I did some things I wasn't supposed to and what I do now, like, you know, I don't just need some guidance and acceptance. Some, you know, so it's okay. Sometimes we do things and we can't regret. And uh, and I told her, you know, I also did things I regret, and we move on. You know, the good things about chuva is like when you do chuva, it's like you become a new person. You know, so forget the one who did that. It's not you. you no, know, you're a different person now. So you can move on. And I just saw her, saw her now in New York, and she's married, and she was, and I was like so happy to see her. You know well and adjusted and it was very nice so i think we always have to focus on the on the premiums of the person the essence of what we really are and we know that everybody has a potential for the good things so sometimes it's hard to see them people like when we see the what they do it's not appropriate or even like the local people you know they're very far or they don't care 
about Judaism or, you know, they're just far. They didn't have the the opportunity to learn and somebody who to educate them properly. So they don't know what they're missing, but we have to try to tap into that, uh, that pintle eat, you know, that the kuda, that, and uh, try to reveal it and try to look over it, you know. Sometimes people are hard to deal with, you know, they're, they drain our energy, but we have to say, okay, this is behind that, there is a Jewish soul that we have to, you know, to look into. I love that. For I think, yeah, like you like that, like you just like really like hit upon like such a such an important point. Because when we look at people, sometimes we look at what they look like, uh, how they dress, what they did, their past deeds, what they did wrong, like all those external things, and we miss. We miss the right. their essence, their true essence of who they are. And I think, you know, I, I know I'm working on this for myself. When I look at people, like I look at them in their eyes because you can see the soul through the eyes. I really believe that. And look at them through their, at their soul as much as you can see at their soul and who they really, really are, you know, aside from all the externals that, 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 that they show us, who they are really on the inside. I think it's yeah. so, so important. Yeah, sometimes the outside, it looks very different. No, and then you start talking to the person, see their, their values, see their things, see what they do. And it's like, you know, it's it's amazing. And and sometimes like we think, oh, he's not from, he's not from, there is another person here just in Miami. He's like not from, he's married to an Jewish lady, but he has such a Munai in Hashem. And he has said stories and like, say so you're a tzaddik, you know, he really is, you know, it could be he doesn't do Shabbos, doesn't do Kasher, he doesn't do many things, you know. But he has this side, you know, that nobody knows until we talk to him and he tells his stories, you know, and it's amazing. And for Hashem, we don't know the value of each person, of each, you know, the way he helps his family, the way he helps his mother and his sister. And the, really, like simple faith in Hashem of, of things that he needed, like he needed money and he said, no, I know I'm going to get it. And he gets it, you know, like it's amazing. So again, like you see the external looks like a person no, that doesn't do anything, like totally not from. But no, he has so many things that you know it's not in the in the clothing, it's not in the fantasy, in the custom. It's it's in the essence of the person. That's really like what's uh, uh, and we can learn from all of them. And when he does his story, again, I show my kids to say, see how he is, see this thing, you know, point out the the, the special thing and the things that he says. They are amazed and they learn from him also, you know, they learn from his stories and, you know, they learn that part from this person. Thank you. That, that's really, really beautiful. And yeah, it is interesting how sometimes the inside can be so different from what it looks like on the outside. It's so, mm -hmm. wow. Thank you for bringing up that point because that's really, that's really, really important. And thank you. Thank you so much, Rebetzin Deborah Leah, for joining us on America's Top Rebetzins. In the merit of this class, may Hashem give a refuah shalema to Tamara Bad Elka. And may he also watch over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Isabella Bat Natalie, Ishai Ben Talia, Keshet Ben uh, Natalia, and Kfir Ben Shiri. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.